What's up, everybody? Today we finish up chapter 18, covering the threefold woe over the fall of Babylon and the finality of Babylon's doom. Then we have one more short scene at the beginning of chapter 19 that shows uh, all of heaven rejoicing over the destruction of Babylon. But then after that, the second part of chapter 19, uh, we get into the return of the king at the battle of Armageddon and the ultimate triumph over the unholy trinity and the armies of the beast. And that's going to be epic for sure. But first, we need to finish chapter 18. John has shown a scene that describes all those who benefited from Babylon weeping and mourning over her destruction. You know, without Babylon, they have nothing, and they fear what is going to happen to them now that Babylon is no more. Verses 9 through 10 reads like this, When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her are sh- and shared her uh, luxury uh, see When they see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her, terrified at her torment. They will stand and they will stand far off and cry, "Woe, woe to you, great city, you mighty city of Babylon! In one hour your doom has come." So all these kings or rulers are already being gathered up for that final battle, and as they approach the city from a distance, they will see their beloved city in ruins as smoke rises from her destruction. And for years, they have benefited and prospered from Babylon, from Babylon's great wealth and power. But just like that, all the splendor and glory of Babylon is reduced to rubble. They stand far off and cry out, Woe, woe to you, great city, you mighty city of Babylon. In one hour, your doom has come. Woe is simply an exclamation of grief and is usually tied to judgment. As we see in this case, these people are overwhelmed with grief at the sight of Babylon's destruction and can't believe how quickly she was raised to the ground. They are terrified at her torment because they know if this powerful city who ruled over all others can be destroyed that fast, what chance do they have? What is going to happen to them now? And they stand far off because they don't want to suffer her fate as well. They don't want to get caught up in in that destruction. But that ship sailed already, and their fate is sealed. Verse 11, The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. You know, the first woe we see the the kings of the earth, the rulers of the earth, that are mourning over the loss of Babylon. Now we see the merchants that come from the land that are going to be mourning over the loss of Babylon because nobody's going to buy their goods anymore and they have nothing. So, you know, verses 12 through 13 are primarily just a laundry list of all the goods and merchandise they would bring to Babylon to sell to include people as slaves. However, when you look at this list of things, you know, merchants would bring to Babylon to sell or trade, it is filled with items of luxury and wealth and excess, which is so typical of Babylon, right? It just serves as a reminder of how lavish Babylon is during that time. Those who serve Babylon's interest and enter a relationship or covenant with her, um, be it through governance or commercially, they, they prosper greatly. The abundance of wealth and luxury is intoxicating. Everyone wants to do business and be a part of Babylon because of how wealthy and um, lavish those, their lifestyles are. The the riches and lavish lifestyles become the trap that ensnares so many. 
obviously Babylon is the number one importer slash consumer of goods. It seems it seems that you know is the case here. That list not only shows items of wealth and luxury, but it extends to furniture, equipment, livestock, food, even slaves. It is an extensive list, but now the number one consumer is no more. And these people have no hope, no one to purchase their goods, which means no income and no way to provide and definitely no more lavish lifestyle or prosperity in their future. They have put everything on the line. They put all their chips on Babylon and the beast, believing their lies. And now that all now that all the cards are on the table, they know they bet on the wrong one. But it's too late. Verse 14, they will say, the fruit you longed for is gone from you. Talking about Babylon. All your luxury and splendor have vanished, never to be recovered. The destruction is so bad, they know that it will never come back. It will never recover from this from this judgment. Verse 15, the first part, uh, 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 well, should I say verse 15 through the first part of 17. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at her torment. They will weep and mourn and cry out, Woe, woe to you, great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. In one hour such great wealth has been uh, brought to ruin. Imagine you finally have wealth like never before, and you develop this lavish lifestyle, enjoying your wealth. Then all of a sudden, your bank, where all your money is is at, is hit and wiped out, or the economy collapses and the value of the dollar plummets, and all your wealth disappears in an instant. No more luxuries, no more excess, no easy life. That is only the tip of the iceberg for these people. Imagine taking all that you have and putting and putting it on what seems to be a sure thing, a sure bet. And for a while, you feel like you're winning. And and then all of a sudden, it goes belly up and you lose everything. They are terrified the same way we would be if or when our stock market crashes or our economy tanks and our currency becomes worthless. You know, basically, that's you know thanks to inflation, among other things. But imagine what that would be like if our economy went belly up you know but imagine that you can be if you imagine that you can begin to see the the effect of babylon's destruction and and the effect that it has on them it is also like trying to imagine this country being destroyed we are the the superpower in the world we are the world's number one consumer merchants get abundantly rich off this country this country is all about excess, comfort, luxury, wealth, power, status. Got to have more. Got to have the newest trend. Got to have bigger and better. And so on and so on. Now, let me say this. I love this country to my very core. I am a 100% American patriot. But I love my God more. I belong to Him first and foremost. To Him, I will be faithful and loyal first, then my family, and then my country. But if God says, come out of, come out of her... So you don't share in her destruction, talking about this country. If he would ever say that to me like he did them with Babylon, I would be like, peace, I'm out. You know, that being said, the same way it would be hard for us to imagine this country brought to ruins and destroyed because we are such a great and mighty and prosperous nation. So so the people, you know, then um 
So these people could not comprehend the destruction of Babylon, and they are terrified to the core. Just like it would be hard for us to comprehend the destruction of this country. Then in verses 17 through 19, we see the grief continue with you know, every ship captain, sailor, all who travel by ship, and all who earn a living from the sea. Just like the other two groups, they stand far off and watch in terror as their great city lays in ruins because their cash cow, so to speak, has now been destroyed. They are awestruck, saying that, you know, has there ever been a city like this great city? They are disappointed, of course, because they grew very wealthy off of Babylon. You know, they can't believe their beloved city is no more. And you can see how much they loved and depended on this city. They were intoxicated by the riches of, of Babylon and the luxuries of Babylon, um, which again, like I said, is the, it's the, it's the ultimate trap. Verse 19 gives us the third woe over Babylon's destruction. The first one came when the, the kings or rulers um, lamented over you know the loss of Babylon. The second one came from the land merchants, and the third one comes from the merchants of the sea. Woe, woe to you, great city, where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her, through her wealth. In one hour she has been brought to ruin. So the, the number three is a picture of completeness, the Trinity, the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, etc. Um, it's mentioned a ton in the Bible. You know, and also one of the things about the number three is when something is mentioned three times, it signifies that something is extremely important and should be, be a paid, should be paid attention to. Or in this case, think of it like a little more or most, or bad, worse, worst. When something like this, you know, uh, referring to the woes in, the, in this particular passage, um, or the three instances where three different groups of people put on a display of grief, which is what the woes are referring to, right? It being repeated three times is meant to show that the, show the severity and magnitude of the grief experienced by all who loved and treasured that city or empire. It shows the complete grief that overtakes the world, minus those who belong to God. Then the angel says, Rejoice, everyone in heaven and all who have suffered at the hands of Babylon, because God has judged her with the same judgment she imposed on you. God has vindicated his people. The cries for justice from all the martyrs we saw earlier in Revelation have been heard and fulfilled. You know, justice has been served. Verse 21 through 24 talks about the finality of Babylon's doom. Verse 21 says, Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, With such violence the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. You know, in the same way that a stone thrown into the ocean would sink to the bottom and never rise again or be seen again, so shall Babylon be. It has reached its end, and its influence throughout the ages will be no more. The rest of the verse here just reemphasizes the fact that Babylon will forever remain desolate. No music, no work or trade, no weddings or celebrations, no light will shine there. In essence, no evidence of life will come from there ever again. Babylon has been found guilty of leading the nations astray and slaughtering God's people and its judgment has been carried out. When I slow down and look at Babylon and how it is described 
in the in this chapter as well as the previous one, you know, dealing with the harlot of Babylon. When I when I look at Babylon and how it is described and how its corruption or excess and luxuries led people astray and how prideful it was, I can't help but think of my own country. And I'm not saying the U.S. is Babylon, but we do bear some striking similarities, which indicates the strong influence of the spirit of Babylon or the harlot of Babylon, like we talked about before, that has corrupted so many great nations and empires throughout history. Think about every great nation that has become a superpower and and tell me they don't bear a striking resemblance to Babylon, to the very things that corrupted Babylon that Babylon was known for. It's in all of them, including our own nation. And each one of those great nations or empires came tumbling down. They became intoxicated by wealth and power and luxury and more and more and more. And you know, they, they become prideful. They felt invincible you know, at, at one point. You know, that pride is dangerous. Thinking, you know, their prosperity and power would never end. And think about our country. You know, I mean, most people still have, they still do not believe that our country will fall, you know, and we are just a, a mighty powerful nation. But the truth is, is I'm sure that these other superpowers thought the same thing at one point. We must be careful and take notice of the presence and influence of the harlot of Babylon. Those who think their possessions and wealth have have brought them ultimate security or have bought them, you know, some kind of security uh, that they are that they are safe. Their investments and assets and all that you know, they have amassed, um, their high-paying jobs or careers, their income. Uh, somehow provides them a sense of security like the walls of a city did in ancient times. You know, that pride and arrogance will leave them feeling just like the people do, you know, when Babylon falls. It is the lie of the harlot, you know, to put your security in material things, wealth, power, etc. That is what the devil wants us to do, and, and that's how he wants us to think. It is a lie from the pit of hell to put your faith, hope, trust, or security in anything other than the Most High God and the mighty blood of the Lamb. Like you know, like Babylon, it will all be destroyed and can be gone in an instant. But the security found in the one true God, the redeeming hope found in the precious blood of the Lamb, can never be destroyed. Find security in the only one who can provide it with certainty, the only one with the power to guarantee it for eternity. Those who place their faith, hope, and security in Christ have nothing to fear. And when everything falls and the world crumbles, they remain standing because God is their shield and fortress and source of strength. He is still on the throne and he's still working all things out for the good of those who love him. God, thank you for the promise of your word. Thank you for the security that we have in you. Grant us wisdom and discernment. Help us to be aware of the presence and influence of the spirit of Babylon so that we may resist and stand against her lies. Let your people rise up and speak the truth. Be our shield. You know, Be our shield, Lord, against the lies and attacks of the enemy. Help us develop strong roots so that we may be grounded in our faith, so that when so that we may not be moved when the storm comes. I pray for those in harm's way, God. Be with them and place your angels around them. I pray for the Ukraine, Lord. 
God, I pray for all the people in Ukraine. Watch over them and help them in this time of need. God, they are walking through the fire, and I ask you to grant them your grace and mercy. Be with them you know, in the fire like you were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You are the mighty one, the most high God, the God who provides, and I ask you to provide for those in need today, Lord. And all this we ask in your precious name. Amen.